This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're at, right? And, uh, you know, one of the things that we in emergency management tend to either gloss over and not think about is our partners on the private side, right? And so if you think about some of the, like, the larger businesses today, I mean, Amazon. Amazon's doing some interesting stuff with emergency management. They're putting up a, um, uh, a logistics uh, team right now uh, to handle hurricane stuff, right? Uh Tesla, they have an emergency manager position. Uh, Airbnb, uh, you know, all these companies um, are, are having, uh, you know, I can't forget about Walmart, um, Lowe's, uh, Home Depot. They all have uh, emergency management teams. So there is the opportunity to do private partnerships, real private public partnerships uh, with private industry. So today uh, I have a guy who skipped over from a Municipal Emergency Management and is now in private man- or emergency management. And it's Tom Sivak. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me today. So, I mean, I think it's a good, you know, a really good segue, right? When we talk about what we do in the private sector, and I have a lot of students ask me all the time, like, hey, what, what can I do for a job, right? What am I going to be able to do? And, you know, the, I guess the golden ring, right? If, or the, for those of you that are, are remember the uh, old... Uh, a Ferris, not Ferris wheel, the merry-go-round. We could grab the brass mm-hmm. ring, right? Is that a, is that an emergency management job working for a municipality? And you know, realistically, though, I mean, there are some really good-paying, even better-paying jobs out there that are in the private industry uh, than you see in in municipal and uh, government emergency management. So that is an opportunity for 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 students to to work in that level. What made you skip? What made you go from emergency management at Chicago to uh, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, what, what it came down to, um, you know, I, I felt like I did a, a long career of, of, you know, 10 plus years looking at all facets of emergency management. Started off with Red Cross, uh, understanding disasters and humanitarian uh, challenges that may take place. And then, uh, you know, when I was getting in, it was actually during H1M1 back in 2008, 2009, and started focusing on the, the hospital side, right. uh, the healthcare side of emergency management. So I, while I was working there, I then moved over to the Regional Homeland Security Emergency Management Preparedness side of the house. Uh, and then back in 2011, 2012 was when I jumped into working truly with municipalities. And one of the things I enjoyed about it was the opportunity to engage with so many facets, so many departments, uh, many moving parts. But one of the things I saw was the private sector was up and coming and seeing how they had to be partners. Uh, fast forward, I was with the city of Chicago for, for six years. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Met so many amazing people, not locally so fo- solely focused on the residents and their preparedness and, and, and being able to respond and recover from disasters. But then also, uh, one of the things I was able to do was just create a huge network across the entire nation. And while I was focused in a single municipality, I started thinking after last year, after you know we, we were all went through uh, COVID-19, a, a huge global pandemic, uh, went through uh, many, many disasters, uh, you know, civil unrest in Chicago. And I started thinking, you know, what's next? Uh, what's out there? Uh, and I never thought that I would actually look at the private sector. 
And then all of a sudden, one day, there was a job posted, uh, and it was uh, in the cannabis industry, and it was uh, vice president of, uh, of crisis response and, and, and preparedness uh, for Cresco Labs. Uh, and they're based in Chicago. My family's based in Chicago. So it was one of those things of, well, do you stay local or do you start looking global, you know, nationwide? And so I'm looking at the position. It was the first time I'd seen that I got excited for thinking about the private sector. And after six years of many great opportunities, working from the Cubs World Series to uh, receiving evacuees, which, which really helped me understand uh, response and recovery processes, uh, I started thinking, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, what else is, what's next? You know, what, and, uh, and it was, this position just spoke to me, to be quite honest with you, Todd. It was, um, it was a great opportunity being able to look at a nationwide process, uh, looking at the private sector, and then looking at something that is totally up and coming across our country right now. Uh, and it was one of these opportunities that you say, you, you, you live once, so let's take a chance. Let's see what this is all about. And one of the fascinating parts about it are that many of the things that we learn on the on the on the municipal side or in the on the government side of emergency management are applicable mm. on the private side as well. So here I am now in the private sector, loving it, being able to travel and meet people from all across the country and look at different risks from anywhere from California all the way to New York and obviously in the Midwest as well. So obviously the stakeholders that you're dealing with on the with emergency management on the private side are completely well, I say completely, but are probably very different from what we're dealing with on the municipal side, right? And then also on that, you know, are there more challenges and are there more freedoms? Mm-hmm. I, so it's both, right? So, so uh, you know, we, we always look at the, the challenges first, right? So the challenges are learning a new industry, uh, understanding uh, seed to sale uh, process and everything in between when it, when it lends into logistics. Uh, and then starting to think about how we look internal. So now it's from being responsible for 2.71 million people in a metropolitan area, it's moving into a company of approximately 24 or 2,500 people. And we're focused on anybody from our internal staff uh, from across our company all the way to our external, which is our customers and our patients as well. So it's being able to look micro, a little bit more micro, but along with that is it's trying to learn the moving parts. You know, one of the best things about emergency management that I learned uh, you know, long ago was trying to make sure that you know how to connect one side to another. So thinking about our vendors and thinking about our, our manufacturers and our warehouses and, and our dispensaries, you know, th- that area, you start looking at those different facets and we start thinking about what does continuity look like? Right. How do we maintain operations? How do we maintain our staff and make sure that we're focusing on our staff? Uh, the risks in California where we have some of our facilities are completely different than when you look at uh, the risks in Illinois uh, versus risks, you know, out east in New York or, or Maryland or even down in Florida. So that just basically blossoms the uh, the opportunities. You know, so when I was when I was interviewing, one of the things I said was, you know, I never dealt with a fire of uh, a, a wildfire, but I've been to you know been to some and learned about how they work and the recovery that's a po- uh, part of it. Yeah, welcome to California. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> to see a lot of it. And then uh, and I never dealt with a hur- I, I dealt with a hurricane, but it was receiving evacuees in in, in, in uh, Chicago. So you know, I started looking at this. It's like those are those are starting to layer the the challenges. Um, but where the freedoms lie is that this is, you know, when you look at the private sector, we're focused on the continuity of business right. a, as we can. And it's, it's trying to connect. So if we have a critical process, if we have something that needs to uh, be maintained during, during a, a major catastrophic incident, now we know 
how to uh, connect with our county or our local emergency manager and figure out how to connect those dots, even if we have to get into the state EOC or start working with some of our other partners or federal partners as well if we had to, if it was a catastrophic incident. So, you know, that's what's exciting about it is actually knowing how to connect the dots and who to connect to. And, you know, I, I always say my best friend is, you know, the Internet and jumping right. onto Google, right? You, you can Absolutely. learn a lot. So uh, that's where the freedoms, you know, start to come into play. And then also, too, is, as we're such a growing industry, um, it's learning how we can apply emergency management principles of prevention and protection and preparedness into this culture, which is just continuing to grow. You know, I think is interesting is, is some of the things that the private businesses can bring to the table when you talk about uh, sharing ideas um, with emergency managers that are on the municipal side um, is that aspect of the uh, business continuity. Because I think, like, we do lights and sirens. I've said this millions of times. So this is not going to be the first time I've said this. We do lights and sirens really well, right? I mean, like, we, you know, get in there. Life safety is, like, a really great thing. You know, um, but what we don't do well is we don't do resilience well, we and we don't do recovery well. And on the business side, I mean, you have to do that well because otherwise you're going to fail, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that's uh, something we can learn. When you moved over, like, what was your uh, like the learning curve, if you will, mm-hmm. from for really getting business continuity underneath your belt, understanding what what those moving parts are. Yeah. So, you know, it was really interesting. Um, across, all the companies across the nation, one of the things that COVID did is it forced everybody to start thinking about business continuity. It, it forced everybody to think about how are we going to adjust or come to, to the new norm and re- living in the new norm, which we saw all during last year during COVID. Um, so when I came in, I was fortunate because there was already foundational elements in place. The team had already started putting together contingency plans um, for making sure that if we have to, you know, if we had to close down or if we had any kind of outbreak, what to do. So it's great, right? So I'm like, okay, this is already a business continuity checklist. We can form this into a good, a good pandemic plan overall or business continuity. Um, and you know, one of the one of the challenges is just trying to understand all the moving facets of the company, um, learning an entirely new industry that um, is, uh, you know, uh, Cresco is on a, on a mission to professionalize the industry and be the most important company in cannabis. And with that, one of the things that they were looking at is making sure that they had foundations in, in, uh, set, but then understanding how everybody works together and how we bring everybody to a, into, a, into a coordinated crisis. Those are the things that they were working on, and I was able to, con- to, to be able to, to pull that together and then now continuing to build this into what's our checklists look like, uh, who's responsible, when, where. Um, one of the fascinating parts on, on the private sector side is, you know, we learn a, a, on the municipal side and the public side, uh, FEMA, right? So we, we have all of our FEMA ICS classes, and, and, and we're taught, uh, you know, instant command and instant control. But one of the things that I'm learning on this side is, you know, more racy models, responsible, accountable, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when do you consult, when do you inform? Or, you know, we talk about after action plans and then, you know, going into the private sector, I'm learning all about corrective action, which is internal, right? If something happens, what to do, you know, what, how we can uh, build, but then also preventative actions of how do we create, you know, to your point, resiliency. And so now it's like now we're, I'm shaking all these private sector entities and, and, and merging them and cross-sectoring them with the public sector experience to build out how we're going to be able to respond to and recover from incidents in a quicker fashion, looking at insurance and re-examining right. our insurance on a regular basis, uh, understanding the the networks and how each of them move or how we can, uh, how we, if we were to, 
you know, need additional staff, where do we get temporary staff uh, if needed? And then the other thing, too, is how do we just coordinate that crisis? For, for us, it's how long are we down for? Uh, how fast can we get back, our, you know, doors open and, and operational if we have a major incident? And how do we make sure if we have to adapt, like COVID, we adapt to whatever the new norm is going to be, and how quickly can we do that? Did you find it easier to be able to get, like, mitigation funds um, from you know, the private side that it was to get it from the, the public side? Yeah. So, you know, for us, it, uh, you know, one of the things that we're, we're building in now is, you know, the one to four rule. For every dollar spent today, it's four dollars saved down the road. Right. Uh, and then now how we're conceptualizing this is we're saying, uh, you know, look at supply chain today and, and, and look at how expensive you know, wood Right. They're, they're saying that there's a wood shortage, uh, you know, computer ship shortages. Uh, so when you start thinking about this you know, process, it's like one of these things of, uh, you know, if there's going to be standards that are going to be coming up in the next 10 years, why not invest today in that? Uh, so then down the road, we don't say, oh, we should have thought about that. So those are like those are our opportunity. Blue sky day. We can talk about these things. Um, when it comes into the mitigation, you know, processes, one of the challenges we look into is as a mitigation is 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 such a a, a, a very fascinating area, but it's very en- engineer focused. Right, right, right. Uh, and and so when you start looking at hazard mitigation, I, you know, I recall uh, the experiences on dealing with the you know a couple hazard mitigation pro- projects that I did with you know when I was with the city of Chicago and also Indianapolis, and uh, there was a lot to it. And what I realized, we were just talking about this prior to the show, you know, make, bringing in the professionals. Right. Who, who do you bring in? Can you bring someone in? Do you bring in a consultant to be able to help us? Do you bring in an engineer from a hazard mitigation side? One of the things that we've learned, that, uh, you know, or I've learned in this process, especially with working with insurance now, you know, in the public sector side, we're self-insured. You know, right. So uh, when you were self-insured, you, your insurance company is working with maybe a workman's comp company or something like that. But on the private sector side, it's working with our insurance companies to say, hey, how can we mitigate this? Uh, how, can we, how can we buy down this risk? And is it worthwhile to buy down that risk or not? And then you just value it, you know, value, value it out. Is it going to be value engineered out or is it, is it going to be a cost save down the road? And the private sector is focusing on that, especially as we start talking about continuity, business, you know, business resiliency as right. a whole as well. Yeah, one of the best classes – well, I say best I, – is I – it was terrible for me, but uh, one of the courses I use the most for my master's program is, is uh, cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. Not that I got I got a C in that class, by the way, just in kind of <laughs> full, full disclosure. But man, I use it a lot. Yeah, uh, economics is uh, is tough. Hey, we're gonna go to a break really quick, and when we come back, I, I really want to get into like how do you partner with your municipal areas. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limits Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical, user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. Enter EM Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com. We all know emergency management is dynamic. 
What you need to know and do can cover all kinds of fields and change on a dime. When choosing a partner, you want someone just as dynamic to help you keep up. The Mid-Atlantic Center for Emergency Management Public Safety is just that, a FEMA partner and one-stop shop for college academics, custom training and consulting. They cover it all and bring you the best of each. So whether you're looking to start your degree, go back to school, train your people, or anything in between, they're here for you. See what you can build together at frederick.edu backslash M-A-C-E-M-P-S. That's M-A-C-E-M-P-S. We all know emergency. Have you ever wanted to work in a flying ICU? Or maybe you're just passionate about saving lives. Right now, you can realize your dream by applying to work for one of the best teams in the air medical industry. Air Methods is currently hiring qualified flight nurses, medics, and mechanics to join our air medical team. Check out our new salary and benefits packages. Visit airmethods.com careers and apply today. That's airmethods.com careers. Power outages can happen at any time. Is your community prepared? The PowerUp solar power charging trailer can be used to address the need for temporary power for your community. In addition, the PowerUp solar power charging trailer can provide a platform to support your public information and community resiliency outreach efforts throughout the year to educate and inform people about the need to always be ready. For more information, visit PowerUpConnect.com. That is PowerUpConnect.com. Welcome back from that uh, quick break, and thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. Because realistically, without them, we couldn't bring you what we bring you today. And um, you know, before we went on a break, we were talking about the idea of the private-public partnerships, what that really means, and and how it is as a, a as a private emergency manager. What kind of relationships can you build with, and and how do you do that with um, with the public side, right? So. Tom, how do you do that? How do you build those bridges? Yeah, you know, it's, it, so the private sector emergency management is just continuing to grow. So when you look at, you know, we talked about it a lot um, uh, when I was with Chicago and, and other experiences in Indianapolis, Hamilton County. The private sector, big box stores is easy during a disaster. You know, uh, creating those relationships, understanding the supply chain, uh, you know, really understanding, you know, what do we need? Food, clothing, and shelter, right? So what does that look like as a whole? But like one of the things that we're realizing is that when the private sector builds their emergency management uh, organization up, it allows the entire entity to be able to continue their business continuity. But when you start thinking about it, it's making sure that we connect to when we start thinking about disasters. What's that relief look like? Um, how, how's that going to come together? So you know, we we're just talking before the show. Amazon, you know, creating that disaster hub down. Uh, I think it was Atlanta or in yeah. Georgia. Um, you know, what what a, what a fascinating way of um, you know taking consumer packaged goods uh, and being able to stage them in a way of where they're going to be able to get to many places that may be affected. Uh, so the private sector is thinking outside the box now. Um, you know, and, and think about it this way: we're in a, on a blue sky day. We want everything at our fingertips now. You know the prime. You know, uh, you know the Amazon Prime uh, process. Uh, but then, uh, in a disaster, it's really the same thing. But it's just changing that mentality, that way of thinking, to get stuff to the people that are most in need. But it takes that collaborative effort, making sure that someone can sit there in an EOC and say, "Hey, have we reached out to someone from the private sector? Uh, can we have a business liaison that actually knows who in the private sector we can reach into?" Uh, to be able to coordinate uh, together uh, from a continuity standpoint. And it helps everybody because 
one of the things that we always saw and always see in disasters is that the revictimization of access to, to resources yeah. can be so challenging as a whole. Um, and then being able to collaborate so we can tell every, you know, so from the private sector side, we can raise that there's concerns. We can raise that there's limitations in supply chain um, and we can coordinate through our partners, you know. So on the private sector side, we have our government liaisons and our government affairs. It's great because they're the ones that are understanding how to how to navigate politics, you know, right. the politics of a local area. But we can also leverage them and say, hey, can we reach out to the local emergency manager and like try to get into them that that we have a we have a you know we have a major artery or we need to get into a certain location, you know, from a from a resource standpoint. Uh, during the civil unrest uh, in Chicago, one of the things that uh, we were coordinating with um, was UPS and FedEx uh, was trying to get through to get to their distribution facilities. One of the challenges we were running into is that, you know, their security started reaching out. And so they were like, okay, I, okay. And then so it's, well, who are you? Where are you located? What are you doing? But then all of a sudden that relationship we created during civil unrest, who, who did we start coordinating with with the city when um, when the vaccine was coming through? UPS and FedEx, right? Right, right, right? So then it was it was picking up the phone and and I called my colleague in um, in New York. And this was when I was back in the city. I called my colleague in New York City uh, and said, "Hey, I know you had a contact at FedEx." Uh, and he he goes, "Well, what do you need?" Right? It was uh, well, we needed we just need to make sure we have good connection, you know, as the vaccine's coming in. And so that that was the intersection of showing how private sector and government need to come together so we can coordinate to say, okay, if there's an issue, I want you to call here. Or giving them a one call gets them all phone numbers right. so there's a coordinated method. And, of course, it's a double-edged sword, right? So the first thing is uh, the private sector wants to keep moving their product and make sure that you know, things aren't stopping wherever they, they, they you know, continue, continue moving. But then at the same time, on the public sector side, there's a need. And, and so it's it's finding that intersection, the crossroads, and explaining, and especially in you know when uh, now I always say when you're in the fight, uh, and it's uh, you know you're up twenty six, twenty seven hours because it's a it's a large scale disaster. How do we conceptualize the private sector, and how do you conceptualize that coordination? One of the things I would say is this, uh, and I was talking to our some colleagues yesterday. You know, um, when you're uh, when you're sitting there like the, the pandemic. Uh, and we're in the fight of learning about the pandemic and everything that we learned. How can we peel off the people that can think strategically and mm-hmm. say, where are we going to be in 365 days? What's it going to look like? How are we going to get back to normal? Um, and, I, you know, we've really lived through a lot in like the last 18 months. Oh, absolutely. And, and <laughs> when you it, it, when you look back, you know, what did we learn? We learned exercises are important. And we learned um, we learned that the coordination efforts have to be 100% uh, on the ball. Um, we, we learned um, that relationships are everything. And that network is the utmost important well, part of making sure that we can maintain business continuity across the board. So, uh, you know, so how do we, how, you know, where do we grow? You know, a lot of people are saying, well, where do we go from here? What do we do? Uh, and uh, I would say everybody now is starting to ask themselves that question, you know, where everybody's getting vaccinated, you know, which is great. Uh, cities, everybody's opening up. Chicago's going to phase five. They're reopening uh, tomorrow. You know, they go, go into what it's going to, what the new norm's going to be for a while. And so as we start to open up, the next question is what's around the corner? And we got to be thinking about that today. What we start doing and talking about today in terms of the risks from human-caused natural and technological disasters are going to help us make us stronger 
as long as we don't get pulled back into the tactics. And emergency management is at a crossroad right now, both on the public side and the private side, to actually start thinking about what's next. Uh, start you know, getting that pie-in-the-sky idea of, um, of the risks that we're seeing in you know, uh, you know, climate change. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, you know, those are areas we could get into probably a whole nother show about that one in itself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple of comments that came in, and I want to start with Jane. She asked, she says the private sector response and recovery is huge since COVID nineteen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think I want to I want to build on it though. I think it was probably huge before COVID nineteen, but I think COVID nineteen really highlighted why we need to have um, um, have private sector has to have that response recovery aspect of it. And then John Fontaine says, um, as one of the largest U.S.-based um, MSOs, what aspect of business uh, presents the largest continuity of operations challenge? That's for you. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, great question, by the way. Um, and uh, so when you start looking at continuity, we have to look at seed to sale. Uh, we have to look at the cultivation side and making sure that that's maintained and understanding how long we can go uh, without uh, certain processes. And, uh, you know, cannabis is a science. Uh, it's, 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 uh, and uh, with the science, it's understanding what our needs are from a supply chain process. You, know, you need water, you need light, you need electricity uh, to be able to continue to grow. The, the manufacturing of cannabis, uh, it's, cannabis is moving anywhere from uh, flour to edibles to concentrates. And so uh, all the sciences behind it are, you know, the, 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 the systems that you use is making sure those are always up and operational, moving logistics, uh, you know, movement uh, from, from uh, one location to another, and then ultimately to the sales floor uh, at the dispensaries, we have to be thinking about a full 360 approach. Um, and so when you start looking at it, trying to chunk those areas out, uh, business continuity has to touch every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are right now, we're, we're having so many great conversations about making sure we uh, know what to do in four hours, know what to do in eight hours, 12 hours, get to hour 24 so we can coordinate and be able to support, you know, as a large, you know, multi-state operator. Um, it's being able to understand the regulations within the state, what uh, the rules of engagement, what we can do, what we can't do, and then be able to understand uh, from all of those legal processes how we can maintain our businesses. Uh, and then also, how do we make sure that uh, we maintain our staff and take care of our staff as well? Um, being vertically integrated within our states, it's making sure that we're taking care of our staff. Our staff is always number one. Uh, and in that community, it's so important to make sure that Okay, are our staff taken care of first? Yes. Okay, check that box. What's next? How do we make sure that we maintain our operations? Is it a power outage? Is it a fire? Uh, you know, is, a, is it a technological issue that we have to cover? Those are areas that we have to ask ourselves on a blue sky day. So on those gray sky days, we can engage and be able to support our, 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 our amazing team members in the field and give them every single tool to be successful. From knowing who to contact if you need a cleanup company to knowing who the power company is, the gas company, the water company, the landlord. All of those areas are so important to make sure that we're covering, especially to make sure that we maintain our business opportunity and support our patients and our customers. You know, I, I, I kind of want to circle back on the uh, <laughs> on the uh, uh, climate change thing. Uh, the reason I'm laughing is circle back. It seems that that's kind of a joke thing now, I guess. But, but the idea here is, you know, I, I, I tell my students, and, and I really believe this, right, regardless of what the cause of climate change is, right? I don't want to get into the politics of it, but it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's scientific data saying they were seeing this this growth. Um, so starting there, you know, as an agricultural business, basically what you guys mm-hmm. are, yes. right? 
I mean, are you pl- how do you plan for and and deal with with that, especially when it comes into like say California, where we're going into a drought again, and maybe mm-hmm. even the worst drought that we had seven years ago. Yeah, so um, we we look at risk based approaches. Uh, emergency management is risk based, um, so we have to look at how do we buy down risk. Where are our locations? Uh, they have uh, you know you look at indoor grows versus outdoor grows. What does climate change look like? We have to understand this. What are the risks of the community? Utilizing the hazard mitigation plans that communities are already uh, that have already established, knowing what the risks are in that community. Hey, if you've got if you've got floodplains in your area, there's a there's an open hazard mitigation plan that we can look at that can start understanding climate change. Uh, being part of that, uh, you know, when they're going through the hazard mitigation plan and trying to check that box and making sure that we're touching on climate change, but then also understanding the disasters. Uh, we're in a 100-year flood zone, but we flooded three years in a row, you know, sort of right, thing, right? right. Um, you know, knowing that it's happening. So, okay, how do we buy down this risk? What is it that we need to do to be able to invest today so then we're not impacted tomorrow? Um, and, uh, and then climate change, you know, one of the things that we have to understand is disasters are growing. Uh, we're having, you know, anybody that's in, our, you know, our emergency management field, Every single time that there's a major catastrophic event, we're watching it. We right, watch COVID. Absolutely. We watch we watch the hurricanes that it, you know hit the East Coast and the in, in the Southeast. Uh, we watch the wildfires that are here out west. You know, so we understand that there's disasters. Um, we have to look at what the size, complexity, and scope is. How do we do that? Data. Data is driving a lot of decisions. Understanding and uh, utilizing GIS. Um, uh, understanding when there's risks. What's a risk? Is a severe thunderstorm watch a risk? Well, if you're in, uh, you know, if you're in Illinois and uh, South Illinois, and we know that we're going to have a severe thunderstorm, or you know, we're going to have a, if we're in a particularly dangerous situation for a tornado watch, uh, those are all buzzwords to us to lean forward and make sure that all team members are ready. That if they were told to shelter in place, they know exactly what to do, when to do it, and then knowing that right afterwards we can assess the damage or, or, or what's happening. So take care of our people. So climate change, what I'd say is this. It's real. Uh, Embrace it. Um, Knowing that the disasters are happening, we all know it's going to flood in certain locations. We all know that there's, you know, being out here out west, the the fire danger is is something that that is to be considered and something to look into to make sure that there can be maintained business continuity. What was new a couple years ago? The rolling power outages. Right. Um, You know, being able to build the resilience of knowing that's going to happen. All right, then build it into your plan today. So, well, how do we do that? Well, it's a power outage. You know, being able to conceptualize this is a power outage. How long is it going to be out for? We don't know. So plan for seven days. Uh, you know, where everybody says plan for 72 hours. We all know that if it was a catastrophic event, the 72-hour rule is, uh, you know, there was, a, there, was a, um, there was a straight line wind event last year in Chicago. Uh, and we were sitting there and we were in the emergency operations centers back when I was at the city. Uh, and this was the day we had a tornado. We were we were activated uh, for um, uh, you know protests, and uh, uh, we were activated um, for uh, we were activated like just you know to at, at a readiness position. And then all of a sudden we had a tornado warning. Right. Uh, and then there was a straight line wind, wind event that happened uh, just south of Chicago. They were without power for almost seven days. Right. And and so we have to be conceptualizing that today. Okay. So what does it mean to be without power for seven days? Well, on the private sector side, business interrupter, interruption insurance, you know, being able to really look at what risk is and what would happen if we had an event uh, is something that we got to look at. And, um, 
So there, it is real. And, it, you know, whether there's politics aside or not, you know, the thing is, is we have to know that disasters, uh, they have no boundaries. Absolutely. And, and if, if we conceptualize that today and we know that it's going to be bad, then we can at least plan for the worst case scenario. And if it's even worse and if it's catastrophic, we at least know that we can respond to and recover from it uh, in a way to be able to support each other along the way. Are you guys planning for the uh, power safety shutoffs um, here in California? Absolutely. You know, uh, we, 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 we think about power all the time. Uh, you know, we, all, we all rely on power. We right. rely on power. We rely on gas. We rely on, you know, water. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, the, the planning for it is making sure that you just have the, the backup uh, abilities, whether you have someone on retention, uh, you know, for a generator, but knowing that generators are, you know, especially out here in California, uh, and that's one of the things so that you learn. Some of the air they're they're different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So there's a state of emergency. Um, so we have to plan for it uh, and we have to be thinking about, OK, what you know, what's needed for the generator? What needs to be on the generator? Uh, you know, really working through and working through what that power plan looks like, electronic transfer switches, you know, all of those things are so important. But that's be, that's not just out in California. It's across the network, mm-hmm. making sure that we can be up and operational and be able to support. Uh, our customers and patients is a big thing. And, it, you know, and it, it's not just, you know, on the cannabis side. It's the private sector industry right. as a whole, right? So I think about all of the, you know, I think about the warehouses that are that basically have all of our consumer packaged goods that we rely on. How do they maintain operations? How are we going to make sure that the food's going to get from one warehouse and if that power is down? And how do they pull the packages, get them onto the trucks and get them moved from a supply chain process? Um, you know, if there was a, you know, if there was an incident and, you know, it, it's one of these things of just knowing that if the lights can be on and roads are open, how do we make sure that we can continue to move and private sectors looking at that and the business county professionals from across the entire private sector are thinking about keeping the lights on, keeping the water on, keeping the, the gas on. But at the same time, without people, you don't have product, Right, right. you know, so how do we make, what are we doing to make sure that we can, uh, ensure that staff are, are available to be able to come in and, and work. And uh, if there is a catastrophic incident, how do we make sure that we can support them at the same time be able to make sure that we maintain uh, business operations as well? We're getting close to the end here, but I want to ask one more question just on the idea of, of gaps, right? And and one of the things as on the, on the municipal side, we definitely have gaps, right? We don't own our own big rigs, you know, so partnering up with even like Walmart, or, you know, is one of the companies that comes out and really helps out with the logistical aspect of things are, are amazing. Target is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was um, in Seal Beach, we partnered up with, with Target, which is in our city. And, and we had a, a deal with them that if something happened, they would open up the roll-ups for us and give us everything. We, you know, we'd have to pay for it. It mm-hmm. wasn't free. But it wasn't like a, the, the process was so much easier than having to store thousands of pounds of water. Uh, we could just go in there and grab it from them, and then we could we could bill out those partnerships. <clears throat> you know, so fill in the gaps. How how do you see um, private emergency management um, filling in the gaps on the on the for the public side? Yeah. So uh, the private sector has resources, a lot of resources, and they can put a lot of resources as quickly as possible. On the government side, it takes time, making sure that they're doing it ethically, and morally, uh, through their procurement processes. Emergency is an emergency. Uh, and you know, when you're in that fight, you got to do whatever it takes to be able to support for the life safety of people. And it's completely understandable, but those partnerships have to happen today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I watched FEMA, uh, really work hard on the, um, on uh, the lifelines and you know what they work. And I was very impressed to see how, uh, how lifelines are continuing to be leveraged today. But if you look at the lifelines and critical and how that works, supply chain. 
is everything. We saw supply chain be impacted last year. So we've all now lived through a disaster of catastrophic processes. You know, who thought that there was going to be a toilet paper shortage or, or, a, <laughs> right. or, or a paper towel shortage? Uh, you know, we all know that if there's a, if there's a you know, hurricane coming, there becomes a water shortage, but then, it, you know, they backfill it in. But we have, to, we have to be thinking about how do you build those relationships today? On the public sector side, it's opening, opening the doors and having that forum to be able to know how to tap into the private sector, who to call when and where. Um, and so then it's not, oh, we can cut into the, you know, get into the store and we can get the water so we can start supporting. It's more of knowing I can call someone, right. they can transport it. We can send someone to that location to be able to get that product, to be able to move it to where we need to move it. And uh, big box stores do a phenomenal job. They've always done a phenomenal job. They always will do a phenomenal job. That's, you know, they know logistics. Right. And emergency management, we sit back and we say, well, that's logistics. Well, emergency management's more of that. It's relationships. It's making sure we need we, we know who does what in a disaster, and then how do we leverage those relationships? You know, the other side too, uh, you know, is uh, that those partnerships have to be across all networks. Um, you know, the world of uh, you know this goes into a whole other thing, uh, but understanding your local area is huge, uh, right. and understanding what the limitations. You just talked about gaps. Understanding what those gaps are in that local area is extremely, extremely important. So then you know how to get, where to get the resources into that location. So big box stores, they've got it covered. But don't discount the, the, other, the other entities that are out there as well because they do bring something to the table. They can Absolutely. understand the processes of business continuity uh, and understanding that where there's impacts. And the only thing that we have to look at is, why are the impacts? What are we missing? And being able to have open, honest dialogue are, of we're missing the fact that we can't, we, that our trucks can't move because we have roads closed. Okay, well, how, you know, we talked about the last deliverable mile. What does that look like? And how do we make sure that we continue to respond to making sure that we can get that last deliverable mile uh, to the resources of people that are impacted in disasters? Uh, and it's everything. Um, you know, uh, I would say, you know, in the cannabis industry, it, it, it is something that's important. There's, uh, you know, now it's not as important as food, clothing and shelter. Right. But I would also say, you know, there are reliances uh, on uh, making sure that we have doors open. So what do we do to make sure that we partner today in preparation for tomorrow? Absolutely. Tom, you know, we and I could talk about this forever. And I think, you know, the, so the audience could, could do it. But we are we are seven minutes over. Wow. Wow. So, hey, everybody, I, I really do appreciate your time today, Tom. Everybody, I really do appreciate you all listening to, to what we have to say. You know, and, and private-public partnerships, are they're always important. I think they're more important today than they ever have been, um, especially, you know, with, like I said, the gaps that are in what – what the private side or what the public side can do um, and, and how you can actually realistically use those partnerships that you create. And like I said, Tom said, in the blue sky days. Hey, everybody, again, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it if you guys can go give us a five-star on the uh, star five-star rating. Uh, love to have that. <laughs> and um, I'd like to see you guys next week. And so until then, right, stay safe, stay hydrated.